there and welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hosman, and joining me today, a brand new guest, a new friend. I'm so excited for him to be here. He's the VP of IT, which sounds great, at American Solutions for Business. Actually, I should say it's the VP of IT at ASB, right? Like, And it's just fun to say. And so it's Mike Pfeiffer joining me today. Mike, thanks for joining. Awesome, Kirby. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you are the, the vice president of IT, um, I want to kind of dive right in. You sort of know the risks that sometimes we don't always like to think about that cybersecurity. Um, you know that all too well. So you've been sort of out and about talking about this recently and the triad of cyber risk. So can you talk to me about that? Explain what it means and why it's important. Absolutely. Um, I think as you look at the cyber world we live in today, we've increasingly become exposed to more risk because we're all working at home. So the triad of, of, of cyber exposure or cyber risk is what I call it, is really the three Ps. So phishing emails, patches, and passwords. So in a nutshell, those are the three things that you can work to reduce your exposure on that will help you managing your risks. So as you look at the phishing emails, for example, 93% of all data breaches come in through a simple phishing email. Mm -hmm. So you could literally, uh, in a working environment, if you're not paying attention, you could cost your company millions of dollars if you get tricked with a phish and you have the exposure uh, to you know, cause damage. And that, that's at your work, also your home and your school or, or any other account that can be targeted. And that includes Apple guys, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So. Apple guys a lot, you'll hear, oh, we don't have viruses. We're not exposed to that. Well, in this case, you absolutely are because you'll get fished just like the rest of them. But the good news is, Kirby, that 99.9% of phishing attacks for account takeover type attacks can be prevented if you have multi-factor authentication in place mm -hmm. or some type of two-factor authentication. So in other words, not just the username and password, you've got an authentication out there. Mm -hmm. uh, the patches, for example, th that gets to be pretty extensive. And a lot of people think, oh, well, that's what my, my IT team does. Well, they do certainly on your work computers, but you'll also have to make sure you're current with your updates. And that really com comes across in three different ways, right? We live in a technological world right now. Our cars our phones, everything we have. So if you look at your computer, um, if you're using your computer, you need to make sure your Windows update stays current. Mm -hmm. So uh, people at work, like our computers at work, a lot of times they'll lock them down and make sure that they get updated regardless of what we do. Right. But at home, hopefully when you got Windows installed, it, it updates every once a week. Um, but you wanna make sure you're checking on that. You also do your browsers, um, your uh, if you're using Chrome, it'll pop up and, and say update me and, and it'll restart and put the update patch in. Um, also, if you do, uh, if you use security software, we use Sophos as a company. And so we can uh, put Sophos on every one of our computers and we are, can allow all of our employees to get it as well. So from that standpoint, they can sign up for it. And then once that, you, you want to make sure that software is updated and the virus definitions are current, right? So the virus definitions are, um, uh, it's a, qu a quick update that says, here's the latest viruses that the system needs to look for. So as long as those stay current, um, then you're good. If, if they're not updating those, then your virus protection is not really helping you, right? Because right. that changes every, every day, it seems like there's more updates. Um, 
Also, if we use a, uh, I'm on a ThinkPad right now, a Lenovo. So you'll have your, your manufacturer will have updates that run for the BIOS patches and so forth. You wanna make sure that's being done. And then also any apps you have on your computer. The other thing that's on your computer, it's really concerning a lot of times is be careful of browser extensions, right? So we uh, have a good, really good reason if you're gonna install a browser extension, a lot of malicious attacks come in through that vector, so. Yeah, it, it, and I'd say you, you mentioned the phishing thing, like th those have gotten more uh, sophisticated. The emails used to be pretty obvious and now every once in a while you get one, you're like, ah, it, it, it makes you think uh, before you click. Absolutely, and targeted. So yeah. this weekend, for example, we used Mindcast as a, our email provider and, and there was a specific targeted email that came to myself and Justin Zabajal over the weekend. Hmm. And it looked very much like uh, messages on hold, which Mindcast uses. Um, and it was, a, it was a very bad vector. So it was specifically crafted for us. Wow. Now, thankfully, I caught it. I sent it to, to my, uh, our security operations center, and they pulled it out probably even before Justin saw it. So um, it's getting much more uh, targeted. Yeah. The, the other area that can really catch us off guard nowadays is our phones, right? Mm -hmm. so our phones are a technology device. We need to make sure that we're, we're patching the operating system, whether you're an Apple or an Android, that the system software for the phone gets updated and that you're keeping your um, applications updated on the phone as well, right? So that's where the, you get the little pop-up that says Facebook has an update for you. You wanna make sure to install those because if you're gonna use their app, those apps are, are usually um, set up so that they get updates for security patches reasons. Um, the other area that catches us curvy off, off guard that we don't think about a lot of times are our home-based routers. And this has really come by in the pandemic, especially mm. as we all have moved home. A lot of folks might not even understand what their home-based router is. Um, and you not, you not only need to know what it is, you need to know how to make sure it's up to date. If your router is more than three years old, for example, let's say you've had a Linksys system for five or six years since you moved in, by definition, that router is no longer valid. Mm. About, about three years ago, there was a, a, a wholesale exposure or a vulnerability that invalidated most of the routers at the time. So if your router is more than three years old, I tell our people all the time, you need to get it replaced either yourself if you're using like a whole house unit um, or call your cable company. Um, and then the last area is our devices, right? We talked about that your car, if you've got a new car, your car has to, to update. Um, it, hopefully they're making sure that gets done and gets taken care of. If you've got a ring central camera, a baby monitor with a camera, all of those devices uh, can be called what, what's grouped into like an internet of things device where your device actually sits on the internet. Well, if it sits on the internet, you can rest assured that you probably need to make sure it gets patched because anything on the internet is exposed. Um, and then the final area of the triad are really passwords. So if you don't have multi-factor authentication turned on, a username and a password is, is very insecure nowadays. And I say that because number one, we tend to reuse passwords, right? Yeah. Um, if you're reusing any passwords on any systems, um, that's a really bad idea. So, so what that means is, how do we go about updating over 200 passwords? On average, people have over 200 username and passwords. Well, password managers are a great idea to that. So they can remember your username and password. 
They need to be secured. Hopefully you have multi-factor authentication turned on on the one, we use LastPass for, for our systems. And then the, the key is that your password, you could get fooled. A lot of fishes try to get your username and password, but they can't get that multi-factor authentication token, right? That's right. tied to your phone, that's tied to your person. So um, if you have a password manager, the other thing is that password manager won't be fooled by a fake site, right? So if you get a fake logon request to a site that's not that looks like Facebook, but it's not really Facebook, the password manager knows and it's not going to offer you to log on to that system. It's going to say, hey, wait a minute, this is bad. So well, it's a lot to think about. And, I, and I'll be the first to say, Mike, that sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll update that tomorrow. I'm, I'm not the classic. Uh, you know, ask me tonight. Ask me tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a great reminder to be like, oh, man, I need to make sure that I'm consistently updating those. Um, but my follow-up, I guess, is, you know, obviously ASB is a, a larger organization, at least certainly larger than mine, and you've made this a priority. But what about smaller entrepreneurs? What what can the rest of us do to make our, I mean, you've, you've touched on it, right? Yep. But but uh, what can we do to make our organization safer online? You bet. Um, about two years ago, I came up with a process to help secure our vendors because we have over 2,000 Patriot vendors that are very mm-hmm. Uh, companies we do business with closely and uh, more and more our customers are asking us to audit our partners right they want to know what the partners are doing we have to speak to their level of security so we put in place a process we call the cyber safe pledge the cyber safe pledge it's you can get there by cybersafepledge.americanbus.com it pulls forward what are the 10 best practices in cybersecurity and that can apply to partners doing business together. So a vendor and the, uh, you, uh, you and I or, or uh, uh, our suppliers, um, the big top 10, the, these things are, are, they also can apply to a personal, uh, like your, your life itself. So it talks about um, the three key things from that, if you will, are multi-factor authentication, uh, having that on all of your accounts, not just your one work account. If you use a personal email, like we all we all do, maybe we have a Gmail account and that's our main account that we secure everything to, that needs to have multi-factor authentication turned on. Um, the second area for the cyber safe pledge is around identity. So it's, it's uh, so making sure you're doing security awareness training whether that training is put out by your company, it, it, your company hopefully is providing some security awareness training, um, or if you just are paying attention to it. And, and to your, your point, how do I do it for my own life? Maybe one weekend, uh, one day, one weekend day a month, you dedicate two hours to going out and making sure you've got strong passwords and that you've done your patches and so forth. Um, the other thing is to know the other key cyber safe pledge area is to know your recovery point objective and your recovery time objective. So when you look at disaster recovery, Kirby, it's really measured in two metrics. The RPO or the recovery point objective is how much data are you exposed to losing if you have a ransomware attack, let's say, or some, or some type of malicious event. Um, and then the recovery time objective is, okay, let's say you lose your computer because it's hit by ransomware, how long until you have another computer and all of your files restored? So that's a good idea that can apply both to a business, so you should know where your business is on that, but you also should know where your personal 
life is on that. So, uh, for example, if you have, you say, oh, I've got a, I've got a hard drive and I, and I back everything up to that hard drive and I know I've got a good backup. Well, what's your RPO? Your recovery point objective is the last time you backed up to that hard drive. So if it's four months ago, <laughs> you are exposing four months of data. Yeah. At American, our RPO is 15 minutes. And typically, we're backed up fully within five to seven minutes. So if we had an attack, we would have no more exposure than five to seven minutes. Um, when you look at your recovery time objective, that's just as important, right? So if you've got good backups, I've got everything backed up to the five-minute point. But I've worked with businesses in the past when they go to their um, Carbonite and they start their restore process, the little pop-up comes up and says, your files will be fully restored in two weeks. Oh, well, okay, can you be down for two weeks? Yeah. So um, our recovery time objective is four hours. So what that means is if we have a, an attack and it takes down and we declare a disaster, I have to be up and running in no more than four hours. We test that annually or better, and we typically run two to three hours on that recovery. So Kirby, you can think of it as look at the same thing in your life. So have you ever restored from your backup if you're using an external drive or a cloud system? Restore that back to your computer and see how fast it takes, right? You know, if you're, if you're using Carbonate, you're assuming everything's backed up, but then you try to restore it and you realize the level of service that you have is it's going to take two weeks. Well, is that acceptable? And you just have to ask yourself yeah, that. So those are three, and I would say those are the big three that we have in the CyberSafe pledge of the top things in there. So anybody can take a look at those and, and say, these are these best practices I should be doing hands down without getting any more extensive even. I love it. That's that's great advice, Mike. I appreciate that. So I, I want to jump off this topic for just a minute because I recently learned that you are a mayor in Minnesota. And I, I just think that's super cool. So can you tell me how that came to be and how that experience has been for you? Absolutely. So I moved here uh, with American in 2012. Um, I happened to be watching the, uh, I'm one of those weird geeks that I want to make sure to know what's going to be on the ballot. So prior to the election in 2014, I pulled the ballot and it showed for our city, we had two council positions and a mayor and nobody was running. Right. Oh, geez, so, okay. You know, and it's, it, it's very common like that with small towns. It seems like you kind of have two sides. You'll either have nobody running and then uh, when it's over, the, the biggest write-in gets, gets on there. Right. Um, or you may have a case where you have multiple people running, right? So in this case, there was nobody. I thought, well, that, apath that level of apathy is a little much for me. So I reached out to the current mayor who was my neighbor at the time. And I said, you know, if you, do a, if you want to do a write-in, uh, I'll, I'll take one of the council seats and, and do my civic duty. So thinking um, at the time that it would be great because from a technology perspective, um, we had no website. The email was personal email. There was uh, all the files were paper-based. So I thought, well, it makes perfect sense. I'm a technology guy. I can go help out, right? So um, I got... 2014 was uh, had a, I think it was elected with uh, 20 votes maybe on the right hand side and 400 people, um, which was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the first day I was sworn in, I was immediately assigned the sewer because I was replacing the the the, the uh, person who was the sewer chair. So I became the sewer chair, and I said, "Well, I can help with technology." And they said, "Cool, figure this one out first, and then you can help with technology." 
So a um, couple years later, uh, I got the sewer figured out. So in 2016, I started on the technology track. So we ended up doing in about two years of full digital transformation um, of our city, including email, our website, surveys, using MailChimp, uh, electronic file scanning in the works. So when I took over then in 2018 as mayor, um, our current mayor was was moving, moving on. And so I decided to do my, my tour of duty there. We've got two year uh, sentences, I mean, terms. <laughs> in there, yep. Yep, and so I, I signed up for that. Well, then the pandemic hit in, in March, right? We all know about March 13th of 2020, the day the, the life changed. Well, because we had went through that digital transformation, we were able to move virtual and into the cloud with, with, with no problem whatsoever. And a lot of cities struggle and even struggle still today. Mm -hmm. But because we got it done, uh, we were there. So I think I even have a my business card, right? So, <laughs> awesome business card for the 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 mayor site. And the key thing, though, I will say is it's it's pretty much a labor of love. Mm -hmm. um, based on the hours I put in, I, I get paid less than minimum wage, pretty much. Sure. So, um, uh, but at the same time, it's it's a civic duty type of thing. Yeah, as we talked about this before uh, we started recording, I was on, I was president of our city council and I agree, I think everybody should run for office and if you can win, serve, it does change your perspective about a lot of things for sure. So, and you know, at the local level, the nice thing is we're nonpartisan, yeah. so you don't have to become an R or a D um, and you don't fight the games back and forth where I'm not going to support you because you're not an R. You're, in fact, our city clerk would be probably a a pretty strong uh, blue person and I'd probably be a, a pretty strong red person. And, and when it's at the city level, it's not a problem whatsoever because we just do what's good for the city. Yeah. Um, we don't, we're not concerned about the politics of, of that. So that's cool. That's cool. Well, Mike, thank you so much. A lot of information to glean here. You've answered my three questions. I give everybody a chance to ask me one question. Do you have one for me? I do. And, and maybe before I get your question, um, I just wanted to note from an American standpoint, we're celebrating our 40th year That's right. in business. Um, I do have uh, <laughs> Larry's face, so uh, Larry can maybe uh, appear on the podcast here. So <laughs> I love it. We're doing it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and with that, I, I know that Kirby, you've been through this, this transition, this pan pandemic, along with a lot of us. Um, so if I'm going to, I'll give you a magic time machine, right? Okay. So you go back in time and can talk to your March 12th self mm -hmm. about the coming year in the pandemic and every pandemic has silver linings. What would be the three silver linings that you would give yourself to say, hey, things are gonna get unbelievably crazy and, and there's gonna be a lot of things you don't like, but here's three things that are going to be something that that help you out or, or you know you're going to find in the pandemic that you normally wouldn't? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. Uh, so I, number one, uh, the first thing that pops into my head is just time with my daughter. So uh, I have a 22-year-old and a 19-year-old. Uh, the 22-year-old was actually, was actually a performer on cruise ships. Uh, okay. Needless to say, she was not doing that. So she was living with us. Uh, my 19-year-old ended up coming back home too. Uh, so for the last year, we've really spent uh, I, I would guess more time than my daughters would like, but it, you know, it's just one of those things where um, we just, we wouldn't have had that time. And so that definitely is a silver lining. I think um, 
the idea, I'm a big content person. Obviously, we are doing content right now. I think one of the uh, things is it allowed me to say, no, if we do content with a service mindset, um, not only does it work, but it even works more because we've had that uh, foundation started. Uh, we doubled down on trying to write blogs and do videos and podcasts, and that helped us get through. So like, I guess, you know, going back in time to tell that person to say, no, you're on the right track, keep it up. Mm -hmm. And then really, honestly, the, the idea of the thing that pops into my mind is I think 2020 was really good for reminding our industry of our own value. I think that, you know, promotional products, branded merchandise has always had the ability to affect human behavior. I actually think that um, while I know sales sometimes took a hit in 2020, I think the overall value of what we do increased. Um, I think organizations saw that it was the only way for them to maintain culture. It was the only way for them to uh, brand or for to market their company. And so those three things to me are, are silver linings uh, sort of off the top of my head, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's, you know, that's awesome. It's a, I think everybody has those as we, we look and we're coming up probably about a month away from the anniversary of, of everybody going remote. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that. And, and even though things are different, um, I would agree that there are certainly silver linings that you can have in family, pets. Those, those are some that are, are definitely there. Yeah. That being said, I can't wait to get outside. So, <laughs> and do some, some in-person stuff too. So it's about okay. 25 below here. So I'm yeah. good staying inside. Yeah. It, it's, it's snowing today here too. So, Hey, Mike, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and kind of dropping the knowledge and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Okay. Absolutely. Anytime. I really appreciate it. Catch your show and uh, I love the content and thank you so much. All right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time. Bye.